Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Oh, we were talking about this oh, yeah, before. We it, it is a really weird kiss. Is one of who's the actor? Uh, it's James Stewart and Kim Novak. I, I, I just got a feeling that he's just not that into her. There's also it looks like to be a huge age gap. Like he looks gross yeah. old, and she that, looks sort of. Hot. There is a bit of an age gap. Mm. Which you can we'll tell in the picture. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he just wasn't into the ladies. But maybe. the fact that they they took that picture and, and went, that's how we're going to sell this relationship. <laughs> to be mm. fair, yeah. yeah. You know what? Accurate. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a um. Uh, like a, what, the America had the heavy. What was it? Appropriate. Uh, heavy petting law. Yeah, yeah, like that. Oh they, yeah, it the, is about. It's totally about appropriateness. Like they, yeah. they're clearly not kissing on the mouth because that's a that's a. Mm, yeah, no. so there's can't have that. What will the children say? That they had to follow to make it to follow to make it advertisable. Welcome everyone. Uh, you've actually joined us uh, just in the middle of a conversation <laughs> about the film we're going to review today. Uh, this is the Cinema Catch Up Club. Thank you very much for downloading, and we are talking about. Vertigo, not the condition, the film, uh, <laughs> because it's turning 60 years old. And uh, I'm holding the DVD case in my hand and my guests, uh, Brett Cullen and Kate Willoughby. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. We're just discussing a picture on the back in which uh, our two leads, James Stewart and Kim Novak, are sharing uh, one of the worst looking kisses <laughs> in cinematic history. It's more like maybe, a mis-aimed headbutt. Uh, maybe, maybe it's because Alfred Hitchcock is watching and it's creeping them out. Possibly, <laughs> yeah. But to give you an idea for those of you that obviously can't see this, which is everyone outside of this room, uh, James Stewart is sort of just like standing, standing like he's about delivering a but, speech at a, a boring wedding. But also yeah. in chin, like he's sort of trying to read something and he doesn't yeah. have his glasses on. So and it's you know the, what it is? Yeah. He's, he's been standing there talking and she's tripped forward and gone, oh, yeah, that's that. That's, that's what, what it looks that like. Is. Or he's doing a blowfish on her face. Yeah, yeah. So come here. <laughs> mm. But yes, oh. uh, it's it's not the best looking kiss. But that is the film we re- we are reviewing today <laughs> uh, because it is turning sixty years old, which wow. is much older than us. Yes, correct. maybe if you combined our ages. I even even then I don't. <laughs> even then we might just make it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yes, uh, it's it's a Hitchcock film. It's our second Hitchcock film that we've done on the series, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently that means that Brett Cullen has to be here. Yeah, apparently yeah. that's given me the label of Hitchcock expert, which is really. Really, really wrong. Oh, mm. so I was about to say, are you a Hitchcock expert? No, a Hitchcockian, no. as they're called. But yeah, you, but you have Hitchcock-ite. seen Hitchcockite. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, Hitchcockhead. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, you can add that on my blurb for the, yeah. the download page. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, so you have seen Vertigo, though. Very, very long time ago. Yeah. So it would have been back at uni. Ooh, um, for like I've seen, a I've seen, yeah, yeah, for my degree. I've seen bits and pieces of it since then. There's a few scenes that I've revisited, but in terms of the whole two-hour run, not for some time. But it is a, it is a film that sticks with you. So okay. I, think, I think I remember most of it. Okay, yeah. and you have not seen it, Kate? No, I've only ever seen the opening credits in a YouTube video that was talking about cinematic 
styles of credits and how Vertigo was yeah. brilliantly done. Actually, so I've a whole lecture on Soul Bass. Yeah, mm. so I um I've only seen the opening credits to Vertigo. Um, I don't know what it's about. I'm assuming. It's about heights. It's about heights. Okay. Cool, because Vertigo, mm. right? Yeah. Mm. No, I think I think that's that's a fair assumption. I also haven't seen the film, so yeah. I'm going in with a similar does, thing. Does he look up on that tall building, fall, and land on her mouth? And they that kiss? may be why that kiss <laughs> looks like that. She's looked yeah. up, going, "Who's this man?" <laughs> yeah, we're saying it's an awful picture, but it's a perfectly staged stunt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Brett, obviously, as you said, it's been a while since you've seen it. Mm. Um, you you have seen, despite saying that you're not too much of a Hitchcock head. Uh, you, you, <laughs> that works you, so well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you are you have seen a few different Hitchcock films. Yeah, where does Vertigo sit in in the in the list of Hitchcock films for you? For me, tippy top, tippy top. Um, a lot of people say it's the best Hitchcock film. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. A lot of people say it is the best film. Uh, I think it was the British cinema, something or other. They they replaced Citizen Kane as number one film with Vertigo. Ooh. Okay. From memory. Well, I've never watched Citizen Kane either, so... Yeah, look, I have... Is I'm that not... the one where it's Rosebud? Is that the movie? Yeah, but it's been spoiled by The Simpsons. Yeah, so I know. So you can't, I know the you can't really go into it because that spoiler mm. kind of drags the film through in terms of what you need to know about it. But because you know that... Okay. Does it suffer more than, say, something like Empire Strikes Back? With the with the thing about Darth Vader being um, Luke Skywalker's father. Oh wow! Spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think so. Yeah, but again, it's a product of its time, so it's a very different film. It's like Vertigo. Like Vertigo, they're both mm. films of their time. Um, you show it to a thirteen-year-old, either of those, they're not going to be that interested. Yeah, it's, it's it's quite slow. It's very talky. There's no explosions. Yeah. Well, There's very few kung fu scenes. Well, so I'm um, really I'm yeah, upset that Vertigo sorry. doesn't have. A kung fu scene. Oh, it has two. Uh, oh, I'm nice. not sure if it's in this edition. Oh, yeah, we'll okay. find out. It is. Yeah. It was yeah. in probably the 25th edition. Not probably. The, yeah, mm. for the the 25th, where it was really yeah. popular <laughs> in, the, in the 70s and 80s. The kung fu was just the it. Ah. <laughs> How do we get vertigo for the young people? Yeah, <laughs> let's get Bruce Lee. That's why just... he has vertigo because he got hit in the head a lot. Mm. Ah. Uh, with that in mind, then uh, shall we watch the film? Let's do it, Stephen. Yep. Okay, uh, those of you at home, pop in your DVDs and prepare to get your uh, Alfred Hitchcock spotting film cameo list out because he's going to be in there somewhere, the little Ooh. tricky guy, uh, as we prepare to watch Vertigo. Whoa, so high. <laughs> And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Vertigo. And by we, I, of course, mean Mr. Brett Cullen. Hello. And Miss Kate Willoughby. G'day. So, uh, guys, what did we think of Vertigo? How about you? I, I feel like you should lead. You've got a lot to say, I think. Uh, it, you know, it was... I, yeah, I, um, <laughs> it was like, it had some really nice shots. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the orchestral parts were really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think it was ahead of its time having a queer character in it. Um, well, <laughs> we don't know if Midge was gay. We just she got, was, I, you know, we just suspect that Midge was almost There was only one gay. scene that made me go, oh 
maybe she's straight. Maybe. But the rest of it, I was like, nah, she's a lesbian. Okay. Well, um, what, what what were the reasons again? Because um, <laughs> um, she had glasses. Uh, <laughs> really? That's... <laughs> no, 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 well, like, that'll okay. do it. Okay. So, she's... I don't know the character. She was very, like, she was an independent woman mm-hmm. that was working, did a lot of artwork stuff, living in San Francisco. Most of her art consisted of painting women mm-hmm. and brassieres. And then they talked about how the characters were once engaged, but she broke it off. Mm. And they have a very good familiar banter with each other. But yeah. it's very like, and, you know, and how she just sort of, I don't know, holds herself and, so I don't know. Like I she, just... she was Scotty's uh, gay best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like she... How she very ca- Hitchcock yeah, yeah. She very she cared about him, but I just, I think she was, yeah, probably okay lesbian. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's a fair point, and I agree with you on yeah. pretty much most of those points. The character certainly, in a 60 years on way, does read as, you know, potentially being, um, uh, living in that way. Yeah. Uh, as the... Counterpoint. Mm-hmm. She was waiting for Scotty the whole time. That's why yeah. she was the one that came to him in the mental asylum. Yeah. She wanted mm. to keep him close, because maybe she regretted calling off that, uh... Yeah, I think that was sort of meant to be it, and that's why when, like, the last time you see her, she's like, even that's up. It won't help him, but Mozart was her. And that's why you never see her for the rest of the movie. Because, yeah. like, she realises she can't help him. Yep. Um, She's reached the end of what she can do. and Yeah. Mm. Like Hitchcock likes to do, he just gets rid of that character arc. Yeah, mm. but it was, like, one of those movies where, I like, the whole movie, I was just going, like, ugh. Like, straight away, I was like, okay, the guy wants to kill his wife. Like, outright. I was mm. like, he clearly is setting up to kill his wife. Um, not in a way I was expecting. Like, so that oh, did oh this su- is uh, Gavin, the um, the guy who yeah, gets in touch. So Gaza yeah. from the crane yard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So mm. he's just like, my wife, she's been possessed by two different people. I don't know who she is. And I was like, all right, he wants him. He wants her dead. See, I didn't get that vibe at all. Really? Yeah. I, I, I was actually quite surprised by that. Um, oh. I don't know why, because obviously on reflection, it's like, mm. no, no, it's pretty obvious. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it's because... It, it's a really interesting film. You have obviously the really strong starting point of um Yeah, really, of Scotty. I loved that yeah. start. It was beautiful. I yeah, really Scotty running across the rooftops, chasing after a crook, uh, is hanging off a building when he almost falls, and yeah. um, he realises, oh, I've got this thing called vertigo. Mm. <laughs> um, acrophobia. Yes, yeah, technically acrophobia, but mm. vertigo with the sensation basically mm. going, oh no, and then of course that other police officer uh, tries to save him and then dies. falls off. So yeah. he is this very negative experience that sort of like almost ruins well, ruins his police career basically yeah. you can you can see it's, it's a beautiful setup because he's this go-getting action cop chasing yeah. bad guys across the roofs yeah. and then well he was played yeah. by jimmy stewart which yeah. is why brad did that <laughs> um and also the opening scenes with him and i forgot the girl's name midge uh with midge like really great dialogue yeah. like i you know i thought like it was a really solid opening and then it was, it, there was, if you go back, it was just like exposition, exposition, mm. exposition, exposition. Yeah. But it was done in a really nice sort of banterful Yeah, Yeah, way. it made you establish their relationship and stuff like that. It was it was good. I liked that. And it was cool watching a woman like having a job and like talking <laughs> about, yeah, talking about brassiers and sort of sex life and stuff yeah, well, like watch, that. Watch this do, Hickey. Yeah. yeah. So... You, you're a big boy. You've seen a bra before. Yeah. Oh, so it was kind of funny. So I did like that. But then after like you meet... The femme fatale character, because that's, that's pretty much mm. that's who she That's is. who Madeline is. That's yep. who Madeline is. And, like, it was just... It, stuff made sense, like, when it was, like, she jumped into the water. I was like, dude, if you want to kill yourself, 
way too low. Mm. Secondly, you've yeah, got the go, go clearly, up to the bridge. Yeah. That's going to do it. Clearly, mm. also, she was floating. Like, her head wasn't underwater. Yeah. And I was like, I said, is this just... I wanted to say something in the movie. I was like, either this is just acting, like, in the movie. Like, mm. look, it's a woman trying to drown herself. But my first thought was, well, clearly she's just floating in the water. She's mm. like, so, which does... That's exactly what she was doing. Mm. Um, and she was just so femme fatale. It was like... Uh, I, yeah. it, it I mean, was good. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it's, it's really interesting because... Obviously, going into this film like yourself, I had no idea what the story was going to be. Yeah. And I had absolutely no idea that it was going to take that femme fatale character mm. and have characters within the world use that to manipulate yeah. um, Scotty, our yeah. main character. It's and a fantastic noir mm. film. It, it is. Yeah. It is. And, you know, it's, it's a very well put together noir film, but it's obviously also very aware yeah. of itself. Yeah. And I think I, I really, really like that twist. Mm. No, the twist is yeah. really good. Like, I it, like the yeah. fact that it was uh, uh, spoilers. Um, oh, at this point, we're assuming you've watched the film. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't, you're not doing the podcast wrong. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that, you know, it was um, somebody else, she was pretending to be the wife, so using his, you know, his vertigo, mm. like, to not go up to the tower, so it's the actual dead wife gets mm. thrown off the building and everything. Mm. So I thought that was really well done. Then you get to the section after all that. Mm. Yeah. Where it gets... Creepy. Weird... I'm so sorry. I just, it made me so angry at how creepy <sighs> he became. Like, it was yeah. just, it was Creepsville. Yeah. Follow a woman that just looks like her. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, try getting into a house and I just want to talk to you. That kind of language I hate. Like, this mm. whole, I'm not going to hurt you. You can keep mm. your door open. I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. I'm a, I'm a good guy. <laughs> and then makes her, like, just wear her clothes, dye her hair. And yeah, you find out, oh, it's the same person. But that's the thing, right? But like, up to that point, it's super creepy. It's super except, creepy. Except, except, she's trapped herself into it by going, mm. writing that letter, explaining everything, and then making Tearing the decision to stay. So she... It's, it's she a fell really in love interesting with him, so character she thought, moment. I liked it. Sorry, you keep going. It's it's a really interesting character moment because she knows she kind of has to go along with it, but she kind of fakes it. And she's like, "Oh, I want you to like me as me, Judy." But the whole thing about it is she knows that that's it's going to there. Like she kept mm. the suit, right? She kept the suit. She kept the necklace, which is the ultimate downfall. So that whole idea of you know sentimentality. He, it's it's the whole thing, and that's. I love this film because the characters, the character flaws are so important to everything that happens. Yeah. And that's what a good noir does. Yeah. It's like every character in a noir is, is inherently flawed and that flaw is kind of what drives mm. everything forward. And hers was the sentimentality. Like yeah. she did fall in love with him. Mm. And even though that got super, super creepy and it totally did. It got really creepy. Yeah. When we found out, oh no, actually it is still her. I love that because it's almost like she could have avoided all of that, right? Mm. Not, not like, oh, it's her fault, but like in terms of those two characters interacting, mm. obviously there'd be no film if it stopped there. Yeah. Mm. It would be a different film, but she kind of, well, she, was she, sort she of couldn't hope. help herself and she let it happen because she, she almost wanted he, that second chance That to he would do fall it. for her. Yeah. And then she would never have to tell the secret. Exactly. Like, you know, and I get that, but it was just, it was so, so creepy. creepy. Yeah. It was so creepy. And, and like the hair color and just like this obsession, like this will fix everything. And like, mm. and then one of the necklace and he was taking her back to the tower. Mm. I was like, 
she's going to die. Like, mm. I knew... Oh, yeah. I knew <laughs> oh, she yeah. was going to die. Whether he pushed her, whether she fell, which she fell. Yeah, whether she got surprised by a nun. The, like, yeah. I didn't... The nun, <laughs> the I wasn't expecting nun the surprise nun. surprise Yeah. Um, but it was like she was I being faced noise. by... <laughs> it was like she was being faced by her demons, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, totally. Um, it was all coming out in the wash, and she didn't seem to get ahead. I mean, presumably Gavin, he said, well, with your wife's money... He got out mm. and he's okay. Like, oh, I'm going, memory said, I'm, I'm going to Europe. Far away, Europe, mm. whatever. And um, yeah, she was just left there in her little dead end Very much job, like little dead end, yeah, dead mm. end life. And suddenly he finds her again. So it's this whole other opportunity, but it just does not go the way that she mm. wants because, again, that character flaw of him is he was obsessed with like Madeline. obsessed mm. and that love. was another thing that was another thing he became obsessed with her way too quickly like all of a sudden he was like i'm in love with you after following her for like a week yeah. and then they're like kissing and stuff with no chemistry whatsoever and also we're going under the guise of like i knew something was up mm. but also what he seems to just understand is up until the switcheroo and it was all fake and everything like that 90% this was a woman that you can only really guess with a mental illness. Oh, yeah. Like, and she was going, <laughs> so a woman yeah. with a mental illness going through something with no, because your first context is going to be, well, clearly it's another woman pretending to be the wife and faking mm. it all. Like, it, you know, so he was, it, it also had that thing of, you're just taking advantage of a woman. Like, and that really, mm. it was just taking advantage of, of this character. Mm. And she went along with it because she was sort of falling for him. But mm. it, like, without that context, you're just watching. Something that's creepy. Something yeah. that's creepy. So their whole love story is creepy. But like, that's the thing, right? It's a noir, so yeah. none of the characters are good people. Like, no. The except, closest you get except, is Midge. Except Midge. That's... Midge is kind of like lost in the middle there, but all mm. of the main characters are just nasty people. Yeah. yeah. It's and you see this nasty thing unfold mm. and nasty thing happens to nasty people. And mm. that's noir. Yeah. It's the seedy, shadowy, yeah. underbelly type setup of of what otherwise would be a romance. Because well, uh, it is well, it's an unconventional thing, right? Well, it is. It's, it's, it's a sort of like a classic doomed romance. Yeah. You know, a, a bit like a, a Romeo and Juliet, which, you know, like Romeo and Juliet is always held up as this mm. great story of, no, of, Romeo of was romance. No, dickhead. Romeo was a dickhead, and they were both just teenagers. They <laughs> yeah. were like 15 14, and 13 yeah. or whatever. The only whatever. person that wins is Rosal- Rosalind. Was yeah, because yeah. she mm. just avoids She's the entire avoids... shit fight. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, which was, is Midge. Which so, is Midge, yeah. Midge is Rosalind, yeah. So, yeah, it, exactly. And it's that sort of thing where... You know, it's it it is a doomed romance, and as a doomed romance, I think it it's very well put together. Oh, yeah. But mm. but you're right, watching it as a first time viewer, and you're seeing Jimmy Stewart, who like in 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 this very room, I have a, a DVD of It's a Wonderful Life, where Jimmy Stewart is just basically like apple pie as a yeah, human being, as wholesome as yeah. possible. Which and then, is probably why they picked him for this movie. Exactly. Well, also he was a Hitchcock favorite up yeah. until this point. Oh, like okay. this, yeah, yeah. although this was the last film they worked together on. Yeah. Um, partly because we'll get into that in the trivia. Yeah. Uh, but basically, um, this film didn't do well when it first came out. No. And no. I can see why. It yeah. would go against a lot of conventions. Mm. It did a lot of weird stuff that became fairly commonplace. So the, the like the freak out, the dream freak out, mm-hmm. mm. that whole like transportational Thing. dream logic, that's so common now. That's mm. so yeah. common. Like you look at uh, like Twin Peaks for example, like yeah. something like Firewalk With Me that's just all of that. Like, you mm. don't really know what's real and what's not. This was, you know... 1958. Yeah, this was this was total freak-out material. Mm. You know, changing colours mm. and going blue and Having Jimmy Stewart's flo- floating head with all the swirls behind it. Yeah. One yeah. thing that doesn't quite make sense to me in the immediate aftermath of watching this film is the section at the McKittrick Hotel. Yeah. 
where Scotty has been following um, yes. who's he Google, following Madeline, or who he thinks is Madeline no. around. Mm. And she goes into the McKittrick Hotel and he sees her do the classic movie thing of going to a hotel room and like being, being at the, the window. window. Yeah. Uh, and so he goes into the hotel and speaks to the hotel uh, lady uh, yeah. and says, you know, oh, I need to go up and see this room. And he says, no, no, doing, it, doing the voice. Oh, excuse me, I uh, I need to see the woman in room two at the front. I'm busy oiling plants. Uh, that, that's weird. Why are, you, why are you putting oil on a rubber plant? Why are you asking? I'm a police officer. I need to. I need to see that lady on the second floor. It's so weird that as a retired police officer, you still have your badge. Oh, uh, you don't know I'm retired, so uh, I still think it's creepy. Uh, uh, just this is how we do romance in the fifties. Uh, if you do, you want the moon? I'll get you the moon. Okay. Uh, I'll take you upstairs to a room that might not even be hers. Okay. And then we go upstairs, and there's nobody in that room. There's no one there. There's no one there. And it, the car's gone. And the car's gone. And now. What and happened there? Was that it's, it's it's another piece of the Carlotta mystery that they were putting in place to make it more viable. It was on purpose. Like she 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 knew she was being followed because Gavin so had set this whole thing snuck up. Out? Right? Yeah, and told the uh, presumably that's what I that's so what I get here, from it. Have she, some oil for your plants. No, oh, no, great. she Literally, she went in. Yeah. And then ducked straight back out and took off because that's lending more of that supernatural. Oh, maybe he, maybe mm. he's actually like yeah, some ghost lady. Yeah, but then how come the woman was like she hasn't been in here? Because she didn't actually go upstairs. All he saw was her go inside, and, and she could have easily just gone. Window. He saw, he saw her inside. Yeah. The second yeah, he floor. saw her inside the window. That's Who the knows? Thing. Maybe there was another way up or something. But that, that what I got from that is this was another Ruse. fake out. It was a supernatural fake out. Mm. To, to really mask what was actually going yeah, on, which the whole thing was fake. <laughs> yeah, but that one wasn't really explained very no. well. Like, it was like just... the, the rest of this film is explained extremely well. It's just that section where it's like, hmm, they never really went back and answered that. But I suppose that makes sense, like, in the fact that they're, they're duping Jimmy Stewart. Mm. Um, you know, he's... And they've got to make it weird enough for him to buy the... To buy into it. Because yeah. he was immediately like, no, no, I don't believe it at all. Yeah. Believe it no, it's not possible. Yeah, and so, so the idea of putting in a few of those little... Sprinkling a little of those sort of supernatural weirdness things of, oh, mm. how did it happen? I think that was part of the plan. I mean, there is a high chance that that woman was just paid off and she took him to a different room. Yeah. Could like, be. and while that interaction was happening, she just... Got in the car and drove off. Got in the car and drove off. off. Like, but they didn't really explain it. No. So, but no, that, no. you know... Um, we moved past it pretty quickly. Mm. It's not a massively stuff. vital part. It's just one of those things that... It's like a leftover question mark. Mm. Yeah. Um... In, in a film full of, um, you, you know, like, 50s-style misogyny... Uh, uh, did the you, bookstore the guy? The bookstore guy. I was going to say... <laughs> it was a different time where men could... Had freedom. They go doing friends. I was like, uh, back in the days, the men still had power and... And freedom. Yeah. Freedom to do whatever they wanted mm. to the women. Like, like, take the children and just leave the women abandoned. That's why Midge is a lesbian. And the, light, <laughs> and the lights going down there as well. And then coming yeah. back on in the background of the scene was mm. so weird. It yeah. was, yeah. But it, it was just really interesting seeing a film which is, you know, 60 years on. It's certainly... Uh, we have progressed since then. But mm. seeing an old character in the 50s going, ah, pfft. Men used to have, used to be so much better. <laughs> yeah. Used to be able to abandon your woman and the children and just go off and have some fun. Yeah, yeah. The movie was like full of stuff like that. Like it was yeah. just the yeah the whole movie like just for women and like the guy like unchanging her and leaving her naked in his bed. Like I get that she was cold and that she was wet. But here's the thing: if she's faking it out, she was awake that whole time. Yeah, I know, oh, which is even weird. more yeah. which is even more weird. And also, she had to go with it though, right? Yeah, but also what's really extra messed up is the fact that he didn't take her 
to his husband's, like, to her house. Mm. Like, mm. his first thought was, like, what she brought up, like, you didn't get the details from my car. But like, as the as the PI, as the Flatfoot, he's not supposed to, like... But she would have a, a license. Part of he's not supposed to have that connection. So yeah. he's, he's not supposed to be, like... If he Your husband's took, hired. Yeah, if he took her to the husband and kind of went, I kind of messed up in my PI thing because now I'm directly involved. Yeah. You have to get a different private investigator. Yeah. He needed to have that separation. So he even said, why don't you take me home? He's like, oh, I didn't want you to take you take you there in this state kind of thing. So mm. he was he was faking it out a little bit as well. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, mm. who knows? He didn't. He's not a stable man. That's mm. the no, thing. he he's wasn't a, he's stable He's a broken and flawed man. He, mm. Yeah, he was creepy. He was. It's almost yep. as though this, the whole message of this film is that psychiatric help in the 50s was not great. In America. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was mm. like, what, they just left him? It would take a, six months. It had been a year, I think it was meant to be, after she had died. Yeah, there was just a big sweeping mentioned. shot of San Francisco, and it really needed the caption of, you know, six to 12 months later. Yeah. Which is what Midge, that's what the doctor told Midge. Oh, six months, maybe 12. It's because fine. it just made me, like, uh, it sounds so stupid, like, as the woman. But it just... And annoyed me the whole movie mm. how everyone was treated how they were written how everything was direct like how she was made to the femme fatale character i like it she annoyed me because i was like you're so fake this is so fake like you're but you're, it was I'm, fake and that was the, the point thing. and that it totally works <laughs> because it was fake yeah but it was that kind of like i said you're doing everything way too sexual and a part of me thought is this which helped with the twist yeah was that was the whole point of the you yeah. know she drew the well that's the thing she needed to draw him in yeah she needed to make him fall in love with her in order for this to really work. Yeah. He needs to be super invested in her. Yeah. The complication of the noir trope, which is, oh no, she fell in love with him as well. Mm. The stakes are upped. How are we going to resolve this? Well, mm. you know, the film could have ended with him just being in this psychiatric act. Which, just I, thought, just which I thought there. how that was going to end. Yeah, mm. but it was actually just the end of the second act. It was yeah. just happened yeah. to be an hour and a half into the film. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could have ended there. I also thought it could have ended on the shot of um, them kissing and the camera rotating around yes. and he finds himself back in the, the That's stage. That's where I thought it was going to end. Library. Yeah. Library. That was library? a really library cool shot. Mm. That was a really cool shot. Yeah. Um, mm. I really like there was some really cool shots yeah. in it. But did you notice the colours in that? That he was clearly tripping out in the same way that he had the dream earlier. Mm. So there was a yeah. whole lot of like colour semiotics there that working there. What he was experiencing was wrong because that dream was like yeah. wrongness right so as yeah. soon as he kisses her and it's supposed to be this big happy moment what you're actually getting is that same vertigo like dizziness because mm. the camera's spinning around them mm. they're changing places they're going into you know and the light's changing it's all this discombobulated weirdness that moment is the total fake out moment where it's normally a big high romance the truth is out and the love is real and yeah. but it's totally not in this film it's completely undercut <coughs> by madness really or you know mm. mental deficiency which is what the whole film's about yeah. yeah and it's interesting of course that he experiences that um and you see like halfway through the kiss he sort of pulls out and looks around mm. like i'm back in the the lithery what's going on here mm. yeah and then they continue uh kissing very poorly uh, very poorly yeah the whole they kiss poorly in this entire movie mm. but it's, it's on, disgusting it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> two magnets that you hold together and they and push like, away and you still got i know you together. can't show making out but mm. and it was meant to show it but there's there must be other ways to show passion instead no, of just like totally. Is, but you just, just don't get that in those films. In that era of films, you just don't get that. For those you listening get... at home, Kate is just kind of clapping the hands together that's in a just, weird way. That's just what it felt like. That's yeah. the yeah. sound of them. It was, it was lip collisions was rather lip than collision kisses. and mm. face sliding over. Like, yeah. but that's that's what you had because anything more than that was completely gratuitous. I know. Like the I know. God forbid there was a tongue. Mm. 
Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, they could show a bra. I love that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's Hitchcock being progressive, right? <laughs> I guess. Um, but the thing so with the, the, the spinning uh, kiss was that the character, Scotty, I think chose to buy into the dream there. Like yeah. you said, because mm. he, he had a choice. He yeah. had the warning signs and he kind of went, no, this is, this is what I want. Mm. And so, and he seems quite normal and happy up until he sees the necklace, which is yep. the giveaway. Like a part of me was just like, really girl, like you. It's not even was... that nice a necklace. No, no. and it didn't even match the outfit. And secondly, <laughs> like it just, it was like one of those, it's like sentimental. And I'm like, you know, like she kept the suit, but she threw it in the back of her closet. Mm. She wrote the letter, but she threw it in the bin. So the necklace, mm. <coughs> I just don't think she'd wear it. Like it mm. was, I don't but know. But if, if you look at that scene again, it's almost, it's very flippant the way she puts it on. She just yeah. reaches and she's putting on earrings and it's part of a process. She's caught up in like, yeah. oh, you know, you must me and hmm. da da da. So she's like in happy land. Yeah. And she doesn't even think. And that's 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 another great kind of noirish thing. It, mm. You're tripped up by your own hubris. She was she was dumb and she kept the necklace. Yeah. And he was dumb and he got fooled and mm. all these different things. I, that's why I love this film is that as a noir, like there's there's a few others. Um, you, oh, Angels with Dirty Faces is another one. But you move forward to like Blade Runner. Mm. It's the same kind of thing where he knows it's wrong and He's the original. just as creepy. Exactly mm. though. Exactly, exactly. They're so, they're so broken, these characters, that... Yeah. Does, really what we're watching is a slow motion car crash and yeah. you'll almost yeah. always see the end of it. It's does, not pretty. Does the film work if Scotty isn't a total creep bag? Like if Scotty doesn't get super obsessed? Because no. because, the, because the creepiness comes from the obsession. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Yep. And, and the obsession is what drives it forward to the third act for him to find out. Yeah. Otherwise he never would have found out. And you, you've left with this very kind of bland, linear... Well, he screwed up, mm. Mm. and that's it. I think, like, if they were to make it again, they would probably show the decline in like into obsession differently. Mm. I think they would make it less, like, he, yeah. I think they would probably show it the same way that he becomes obsessed, mm. but they would do it in a less. I don't know. I think the language is an issue. I think, it, yeah. to be honest, it's a lot of the language. It's very controlling. It's very yeah. domineering. It's very 50s. It's um, very 50s, like her making her wear it. I don't want to wear this. I don't want to, you know, forcing her up the stairs. Like, oh, it, it doesn't matter to you. Yeah, it goes, yeah, yeah come on. Like, I think that's what... It, yeah, yeah, I think maybe how the thing for me the language. that kind of creeped me out was the fact that all the um, staff in these places they were going, like the hair dye clinic and like the costume yeah. place, even though they could clearly tell this was like... A, a man being very domineering over his partner, they weren't going to be like, I don't think you can do that. They were kind of mm. just like, oh, the gentleman knows what he wants. Yeah. Which is just kind of yes, like, sir. oh, I'm really glad I don't live in 1958. Yeah, mm. that, I think that's what it, it was just, yeah, this whole, mm. yeah, very controlling of like women and also just age gaps. Like, oh, I'm sorry, mate. You don't want to be with your wife who was clearly had all the money and she was like 26. Yeah. And like, yeah. it was always weird age gaps and it was just like, Everyone looked old. And... That's, I mean, that's again, I'm not excusing it, but again, it's a product of the, the, the era of film where your leading men tended to be older. Yeah. And the leading women. Well, luckily, well, no, you that's know. definitely changed. Oh, that's completely it's different completely now. Different now. Thank goodness. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's always awkward watching those kinds of films. Yeah. Back because 
the times were totally different. Not good at all. Yeah. And just to give you an idea, the age gap between uh, James Stewart and Kim Novak, our two leads. Do you want to have a guess? Um, I want to say 20. What, do you know the answer, Brett? I think it's something like 26, something like You're that. You're basically bang on. Yeah. 25, 25 years. Yeah. 25 she years. Was, she was 24, he was 49. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's so creepy. You know what? I'm sorry. Like, I would say maximum, like, if you were to do, like, a relationship and, like, acting and stuff, I'd say 17, mm-hmm. 18 years max. Because there's still, Oh, like... I thought you meant, like, she had to be 17, no, right? No, I'm no, like, no, that's no, like, even I mean... worse. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like... not good at all. I mean, like, acting-wise, like, max age gap without it being too, too creepy would just be, well, like, 15 Well, here's one years. for you. Have you seen Spider-Man Homecoming? I have. I saw it recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know the the black girl in his high school? Yeah, the girl that he's interested in. Yeah, yeah have yeah. a guess how old she is. Well, she's probably in her 20s. How old in her 20s? I'd say uh, she would probably be 25, 26. She's 28. She was 28? Yeah. Oh my God, she looks so young. Good for her. Yeah, mm. and he's 19. He would have been 19. 19 in, in that film. So it's interesting because if you cast it right and they look the ages, it's kind of okay. But, but that's the thing. He had great why... hair and wrinkles and That's what I mean. Like, that's why I would say like 17 years for actors is generally they can still look similar. Yeah. You can still pull it off as, oh, yeah, they could be in a relationship. They yeah. look similar. But he did. He looked Old. He looked. It was gray. also because you brought up when he was wearing like the the, the cardigan mm. with the, the with pants. The, yeah, and it's like that's that's what he wore and continued wearing until he was eighty-seven or whatever it was. I've seen a lot of like modern films where it's based in that period, and they've got guys playing that role. They still look hot as shit. They still look sexy. They <laughs> still look just how good. They make it, though. No, but no, but it's just one of those like I honestly think if you had a younger actor wearing that outfit. Or if he was at least dark. Like, even in the picture, on the DVD, they make it look like he's got dark hair. Piss mm. off. He I was think that's white. the dim on the he TV was white. screen. He was white. It was like... And her hair was white. Like, this white blonde. Yeah. It was, like, greyish colour. Um, It was just like... He just looked old. I... Ugh. Ugh. Like, anyway. <laughs> he was just gross. Everyone was gross in this movie. Oh, look, I might be a little uh, grey on the edges, but I'm young at heart, Kate. I'm young at heart. Uh, no. Really and his voice creepy. as well. And he, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, you just don't like Jimmy Stewart, but... <laughs> I just... I like the movie. There were elements of the movie that I really like, like the twist and some of the shots and the orchestra It could have been about 40 minutes shorter. Could have yeah. been and again, that's a product of the era, but Hitchcock was extremely indulgent. Mm. He yeah. was, and I think that all, like that was he another thing. He wanted every thing. bit of that story out, and he got it out. Yeah, and also that's another thing. Like I know that for like I know as well. Like Hitchcock was a creepy fucking douchebag, mm-hmm. and that affects <laughs> me watching the movie. It's like, and also like yeah, it's like I watching mean, some better... Bill Cosby stand up now. No, it's mm. like no, it's like he's a better version of uh, Woody. Um, Woody oh, Allen. God. Mm. Woody Allen hard. is Woody Allen is yeah. a, Michael Bay is a better version of Woody Allen just yeah. by virtue of being less of a creep. Yeah, yeah. But like well, a lot of people, but you know when people say in a different way. when people talk about like a director and like style of film, like there's Hitchcock style and there would be like a Woody Allen. Like they they're directors with like like a like a thing that changed quote unquote they're cinema. Auteurs. Auteurs. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't think Hitchcock was ever like convicted of. Some crimes. super creepy, creepy stuff. Crimes. I think he was just a an old school fifties misogynist. Oh, you mean? I think I I, I he, put a pretty you know, severe famously, line between Hitchcock and famously dr- drilled holes in walls where the actress's co- dressing room 
and looked in. Did he? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard about yeah, that. Yeah. Like I he, would not put it past him. Yeah. Because he hired, he cast women that he fancied. Yeah, and if they didn't say yes to him, then he fucking ruined their career. But the thing is, is that, like, and he was just, eh, like, creepy. But, no, I'm talking about the sense of... Woody Allen married his stepdaughter. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're exactly the same. I'm saying Hitchcock, yeah. he's a lot better in style and direction. I think Woody, yeah, Woody Allen Woody makes Allen the same is a, movie. Woody Allen, is, his movies oh, are uh, terrible. His movies are terrible. They're, but yep, they're, not great. they're not great. And he always puts himself as the lead. And then when he got too old, he put the same men. And that's where I sort of, this is where I get the comparison. I Hitchcock get yeah. made movies where his men are very much like him yep. and his women. Like the few Hitchcock movies I've seen, all his male characters and how women are treated yes. says a lot about how he viewed himself and what he wanted in women because he cast women that he liked. Mm-hmm. Same with Woody Allen. So would a lot of people. But it it was just one of those things in that sense. That's what creeped me out. I was like, yeah. you know what? You're not... You're not criticizing. You're not doing a cool twist on the genre. You're not like saying, "Let's look at the film noir," yeah, and and be critical. You you but are that, that, that person in in film history. Like that didn't come until later. later. This was yeah. You, you're talking about like the postmodern, post yeah. you know, you know, know, Easy Rider, Raging Bull, all all of that 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 critique, poor man's Ochoa stuff, yeah. and where it became reflexive rather than going along with it. Yeah. So you look at a modern noir. Like like Blade Runner, let's say mm. you've got a huge amount of the same things. Like that relationship between oh, it was messed up. He, Deckard, he sexually assaulted her. Oh yeah, yeah. Was, but they hated each other. Famously hated each yeah. other. So there was again no chemistry. But you've got this other. Like, there's a lot of reflections through the noir yeah. genre of the broken man being strung along by the femme fatale. The femme fatale, you know, being his downfall in one way or another. Either yeah. she falls for him, or he falls for her, or mm. you know. He falls for her and she tells her husband. There's a lot of different permutations yeah. of it. But it still echoes the same way. But you've got, uh, like, another postmodern noir would be Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That's really... I love... Yeah. I enjoy yeah. that movie. Which is really great. Like, Michelle Monaghan's character. And that's yeah. really, really great and active and... Yeah. yeah. The uh, Cinema Cantrip Club legal team would just like to... Uh, have just issued me a statement. One second. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there is no uh, evidence that Alfred Hitchcock performed acts of a uh, sexually criminal nature. Oh, we right. would just like to officially uh, uh, distance ourselves from statements made by uh, Kate Willoughby. Just... <laughs> okay. Uh... However, you have made me look, uh, you've made me do something I don't want to do. So I di- while uh, you guys were talking, I just had a quick look online just to see if there was anything about the drilling the um, holes in the yeah. wall thing. I've had to go onto the only sort of main source of related news to uh, Hitchcock and potential uh, activity like that. Mm. You made me go on the Daily Mail's website. Oh, so, no, no, I'm sorry. No, I know. So I'm going to say... So that basically we... now you're a garbage human. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, basically, because it seems to be only the Daily Mail that's like reporting it... might not it, be true. Yeah. Um, but basically, um, the, the article from 2016 uh, basically related to a bunch of stuff that came from a book... Um, called um i think it's behind the mask of the master of suspense filmmaker alfred hitchcock mm. uh was a fat man who hated his own body a new book claims so it was all from this book that was written and released in 2016 about uh people who knew uh hitchcock and basically said that like he did was a bunch of, of stuff the, yeah i thought it was a quote from one of the actresses the one that mm. um was in birds 
Um, and then in the movie that was played by Scarlett Tip- Johansson, yeah. Tippi Hedren did did um, yeah, so he was yeah, not and, a nice t- and she said mm. that he was very creepy towards her, and that yeah, uh, she... well, specifically uh, called him a fat pig after he asked her to touch him, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it was even in the Hitchcock movie with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, that's probably where I saw it from, and was like, what? Yeah, is that um, the one with Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, yeah, mm. and I am more inclined to believe that he was a creepy, creepy dude. Uh, than not than not and uh, to be it's in his yeah. work <laughs> yeah it's yeah. in his work his yeah. attitude to women is in, in his work yeah yeah, yeah. I, but by all means I'm I'm gonna say that Alfred Hitchcock probably not like a, a, a model human being I just want to say that I'm not saying he's on equal footing of, not at all <laughs> okay, what I was cool. saying I just I wanted to have that separated no, 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 because no, no, no. I, I don't like Woody Allen no 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 like when I was his saying work his when I was saying like the same I didn't mean as in Mm. Uh, as in they're the same people. Yeah. I'm not putting him on like a Weinstein thing. I'm saying that in, I'm not doing any <laughs> of that. Deep. What I'm saying is that um, Woody, um, his movies always yeah. have how how he portrays women and the men very much him. Yeah, Woody Allen and takes it to another level of actually putting himself putting in that himself, role with people like Diane Keaton. Yeah, and exactly. All these people that, yeah, exactly. No, well, yeah. like, um, well, Hitchcock, Self-insertion I think Self-insertion fanfic. Yeah, mm. pretty much. Um, well, his style, I think of how... The, the casting of women and a lot of the male leads, mm. I think, was very similar in mm-hmm. the sense of how he viewed probably women and how he viewed his characters were very tormented, very flawed, very messed yeah. up. And I think he saw himself as that guy, but mm. obviously cast other men in it. Yeah. Sure. Like, so I think that's where I see the similarities in the sense of the artist being like, this is me and, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, I, not... I would argue that's kind of, that's a fairly common process in, in artists, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, but definitely. just you just don't want that misogynistic. You just yeah. don't want the misogynist creepiness showing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think the big issue with with looking at Hitchcock's work retrospectively is like in terms of like as films which are suspenseful thrillers, they're pretty great. No, like, they're great. Like the way this film yeah. starts with just like tense violin straight away after the yeah. title sequence and then you've and got the chase, the chase across the And the, the chase looked beautiful. Honestly, I thought, I'm going to love this movie. Yeah. From There's this some opening amazing shot, shots. I'm going to love this movie. Mm. And then I think it's for me just watching it as a woman, just going like, yeah. ugh, like, and looking at it critically outside of it going, man, that twist was so good. Man, yeah. some of those shots were so good. I but really liked it. getting through it makes you feel gross. Yeah, but yeah. getting yep, through it made me definitely. feel gross. And, and, and you I see agree. that with, I mean, you look back at pretty much any film <sighs> from... It, like you, even you mentioned Michael Bay before, mm. yeah. the stories uh, around him yeah. and what's her name from Transform. Oh, uh, Trans- uh, I was going to say Transformers, but Transformers. Yeah. Megan Fox, yeah, coming over to wash his car, and you know this is all this is all the Weinstein-y, nasty yeah. underbelly shit of how women are portrayed. Mm. Mm. But that's and that's you know that's going back generations and generations, and that's mm. horrid. It's very hard to go back to that era of film and find. An empowered woman. The closest we get is Midge, and she, her exit from the film is pining after Scotty. Yeah. Because she he's not responding to her love, which is what that whole Mozart thing was. Yeah, mm. I know, which was really annoying because up until like the last two scenes you saw her with the painting and the Mozart thing, mm. I was just like, yeah, like it's because I actually have a female character that I just assumed was a lesbian. I got a lesbian vibe. That <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, like he's this woman that isn't going with him. I'm mm. glad. I'm yeah. glad she's a working woman yeah. that's just not putting up with his shit. And then, like, last two scenes, you go... Yeah, like, it got a bit piney, and that yeah. was... Yeah, to be honest, I was sort of glad they removed her from the film from that respect, if that mm. was where her character was. Well, remember she had, the, she had the scene where she was driving to his house? Yeah. And she saw 
you know, Madeline, Madeline yeah. slash Judy come out of the house. And she talked to herself like, and she's like, oh, good on you, Jimmy. Was it a ghost? Was it fun? Smile, smile, smile. Sadness, and you're like, oh, she's in love with him still. Yeah, and that's the thing is that he he seemed to be quite oblivious to that fact. That mm. fact, but yeah. she. And she treated her like, oh, we're best buds, we're best buds, we're best buds. But yeah. it was very clear that she cared for him. and mm. So, yeah, it all revolved around this guy. Yeah, which was, an, yeah, well, a you bit know. annoying. But, yeah, if it was a postmodern take on that, you'd, you'd maybe get the twist a little bit earlier. And then you have more of the drama between Gavin and Judy. You know, yeah. like making mm. that deal and what it cost her. Because we get nothing about that. That's mm. what it's I mean. like suddenly he's gone. He gets he away with it. Uh, yeah. He's I, going to Europe. Mm. And I think this might be the only Hitchcock film where the baddie gets no comeuppance. Because mm. normally the villains, yeah, right. where there are villains, get a comeuppance yeah. of some kind. The birds don't. The well, birds can do whatever they want. Well, but ultimately that power will destroy them. Yeah. True. So, you know. True. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think it's the only one where, where the villain gets no comeuppance uh, whatsoever. Um, I'm thinking through Rear Window and mm. Psycho. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, at the end, mm. he'll be the one screwed over because, like, it he was up there again with another woman that looks just like her. Oh yeah, died. like this is the second time. Like, yeah, people are going, "Hey, um, Scotty, uh, <laughs> yeah, once uh, fool me once, yeah. shame on me." Yeah, to lose. He's like, oh, I was a surprise nun. <laughs> I got so very Christopher random. Walken there. Yeah, to, to, yeah, to lose one Madeline is uh, yeah is is unlucky. To lose two is careless. in the same circumstance in the yeah. same place. Yeah, yeah. and of course that nun was on it. She was like, we lost someone to suicide. Like there'd, there'd be someone patrolling that. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Like I had voices, especially because ah! she was screaming the whole time. Mm. Well, not yeah. the whole time, but but then you see the shot of him, at the very final shot of the film. Mm. He he's standing in the arch. It's about five feet to the edge of the thing. So she would have had to go step, 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 Ah! Oh! That's the thing. I was like, a part of me going, logistically, someone just shocked would not, especially because she just went, ah, oh! and then fell. And but then she you, fell like, off camera too. It was a sound mm. effect. Go back and watch. Yeah. You can actually see her go. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just one of those like. It's, I'm, I'm assuming it's a stumble over a ledge and goes head first over the top. Yeah. But for Hitchcock, for something, someone that, has a reputation for the minutia of mm. shots and all that kind of thing to not have like the edge of the heel, like a close up of the edge of the heel hitting yeah. the thing and mm. dropping off. And we don't even get the shot of her falling. Like we had, I mean, we had the shot of her falling before, yeah. but we didn't get the second. one. Yeah. That's always been my criticism. Of this film is that the resolution of that film is just him going like, Oh, that's oh. what I mean. And there are so many, out. there are so many points of the movie. Where you go, oh, it could end there. Oh, it could end there. And then when the movie does end, you're like, is that it? That's how you end it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to slightly disagree. I thought it was a very strong ending. Yeah. I re- I think like as a final shot, um, you know, Jimmy Stewart on top of a tower, looking down, like knowing that he is ultimately, he's completely boned. Yeah. But yeah. what I wanted was that amazing yeah. shot they had before from looking down at the tower from above. Yeah. So you get that, that you know, the gods and rats. You get the god perspective of him looking down at the same spot, the same mm. body, and the same, in that, you know, famous vertigo pose. pose yeah. That's what that needed. It, it needed that, I mean, not that okay. I'm a better filmmaker than or Hitchcock, but least. just to tie all of that mm. together. Because a lot of that third act is an echo of the first act. Yeah, the, the driving down the street, driving down that road mm. with the thing coming over, going up the the the, um, yeah, the, the stairs. Bell Even if stuff. the shot was lower down and it was shot from the perspective of the person that's fallen, because mm. every time it was from above looking down. Mm. Even if it was, and just... there's a lot of those in this film. If yeah. you go back and yeah. watch, there's a lot of high shots in this film, yeah. which show you Hitchcock used that to show you powerlessness. I mean, it's yeah. a fairly 
fairly obvious mm. trope, but yeah. yeah, in Hitchcock films, he uses height significantly. Yeah. And in this film, that's one of the big ones of this character is afraid of heights. So if you go back, there's so many shots of mm. us looking at this character from on high. Yeah. Which and also him being tells you the whole time he's for broken. Someone for fear of heights. But you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned that bit where he's following her up and down. And I think it was, it was you, Steve, that mentioned mm. going up and down those hills in San Francisco. Mm. You know, he stood on a chair and was like, wow. That should have that should have absolutely triggered his vertigo because yeah. at mm. the top of those San Fran hills, you're looking down quite yeah. a bit. I know, yeah. Very... Full house is anything to go by, anyway. <laughs> Indeed. Would you guys like some trivia? I'd love some trivia. Absolutely. Trivia. Okay. First bit of trivia, which is one that uh, Brett actually mentioned as we were watching the film. Uh, this is the first ever film to use computer graphics mm-hmm. for its uh, intro sequence that was done by uh, Saul Bass. Yep. Um, it really hurt my eyes, by it, the way. It did hurt a little yeah, bit. Yeah, not epileptic friendly, this no, film. No, not in any way, shape no, or form. don't do it. Mm. Um, so yeah, keep it. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, uncredited second unit cameraman Ermin Roberts invented the famous zoom out and track in shot, now mm. sometimes called the contra zoom or the trombone shot, yep. uh, to convey the sense of vertigo in the audience. The view down the mission stairwell cost $19,000 yeah. for oh. just a couple of seconds of screen time. That's why they use it over and over and over and over again. Mm. It's effective, though. It it's looks, amazing. It looks really, really good. I feel bad that the guy that invented it really didn't get as much mm. acknowledgement. Mm. They'll be like, oh, Hitchcock, it, and you're like... Oh, yeah, it's called the Hitchcock Zoom in mm. a lot of places. Well, now yeah. we know it's Ermin Roberts, everybody. Yeah, oh, yeah Roberts. Ermin Yeah, like, he would have had to figure out... Hitchcock would have been like, I want a style where it's like this, and it would have been Ermin's job trying to figure out how to do it. Although, counterpoint Unless... to that, there's a very good chance that... Hitchcock came in and said, I want it to look like this. Yeah. I want it to feel like you're dropping. Yeah. And they've gone to Ehrman, who has maybe technical skills, and he's done the he's thing. figured out how to do but it. But I, I, I don't uh, think it would have been... It's still would have been Hitchcock's vision. I don't believe that Ehrman was like, Hitchcock, I've got an idea for yeah, you. Yeah, like, knowing what I know of like a second unit director or something, I don't know if it would have been his creation. Yeah. But he maybe made it, if you know what I mean. I'm doing finger quotes. Yes. Made it's- it. Uh, the film was unavailable for decades because its rights, along with four other Hitchcock films, uh, were bought back by Alfred Hitchcock and left as part of his legacy to his daughter. Uh, they've been known uh, for a while as the infamous Five Lost Hitchcocks uh, mm. until they were re-released to theatres in 1984. So for oh. 30 years, you couldn't really see Vertigo. Mm. Uh, yep. The other films you couldn't see were The Man Who Knew Too Much, mm. Rear Window, Rope, and The Trouble with Harry. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, yeah, there was a whole period of film history where you couldn't reference Hitchcock or, or you could, but it was like, it was psycho. Mm. So it was really yeah. interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of, mm. there's a big old gap there of filmmakers that were actually influenced by Hitchcock, but it was yeah. through like a previous generation of filmmakers mm. that had been influenced by Hitchcock, yeah. which mm. was cool. Uh, Hitchcock had originally wanted to use the uh, vertigo zoom in his film Rebecca back in 1940, but due to a lack of uh, technology at the time, he couldn't do it. The technique was inspired by a time when Hitchcock fainted during a party. Mm. Probably because he was too boozed. Yeah. Probably (laughs) wasn't a vertigo thing, let's be real. Um, Hitchcock reportedly spent a week filming the scene uh, where Madeline stares at the portrait in the Palace of the Legion of Honour just to get the lighting right. Sounds like Hitchcock, yeah. yeah. We did 600 it looked, it takes. Nice. It did look nice. And mm. I'd, I'd read this bit before coming into the film, so when I was looking at it, I was like, okay, yeah, no, it does yeah, look it's great. pretty great. It looks like a painting. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was a very lovely shot. Um, mm. Hitchcock was embittered at the critical and commercial failure of this film in 1958. Mm. He blamed it mostly on James Stewart for l- looking too old. Yes, he did. He looked too old. I can, yeah, Hitchcock was right. Yeah. Oh, well, you, you shouldn't have hired me in the first place, Al. It's, it's <laughs> your fault, really. You too old, yeah. Hitchcock yeah. was right. Hitchcock never worked with Stewart again. Which yeah, is... this film was in mm. incubation for some time. So mm. it could have been that, you know... Maybe it was a more sprightly Jimmy Stewart that was on board early on. But, mm. yeah, that was it after that professional relationship. Yeah. Done. Which is a shame because they, they had a pretty decent working relationship yeah. in earlier His stuff. performance, especially in that last act, mm. is incredible. No, oh, yeah, his performance, like right at the end, like up the stair thing. Yeah, where he's, just, was, he's broken now. I really liked that. But mm-hmm. um, too old. I couldn't, yeah, I could definitely see why a lot of people. And it, that's, it made it. That that's what it was. It's like this predatory older man the whole yeah. time. Yeah, mm. creepy, creepy dude. Every yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when Kim Novak questioned Hitchcock about her motivation in a particular scene, the director is said to have answered, "Let's not probe too deeply into these matters, Kim. It's only a movie." End quote. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is very well, cheeky uh, of someone who is renowned for being. Uh, yeah. Militant, he was, yeah, pretty much. He was just like, just look really pretty and mysterious, yeah. and it don't was... think about. And you know what? There are definitely times when I'm looking at that. Maybe you know what? What if it was the motel scene? Why am I up here and then I disappear? Mm. Don't think about it. Maybe it was. <laughs> don't uh, think about it. Hitchcock's had a brain fart, but I'm not going to admit it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all one. Uh, speaking idea. of uh, the director, though, uh, his cameo came pretty early in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. He's seen carrying uh, what many people describe as a musical instrument case, uh, but th- there isn't really an instrument that's shaped like that. Uh, it was the case for a very high quality costume mask for the Doctor of the Plague. Oh, oh a plague mask. Yeah. Oh, there you go. It was. It was a case for a plague mask. That's why it's so weird. It kind yeah. of looks like a like a trombone-y, but. If the trombone was made by the devil, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I missed it. You were like, there was Hitchcock. I'm like, what? This is one of his more subtle ones, definitely. Mm. Not not exiting a a store with all of his dogs on leash. Yeah. (laughs) Looking directly at the camera. Going, hello, my name is Alfred Hitchcock. (laughs) How are you? Um, Hitchcock originally wanted Vera Miles to play Judy, but she was pregnant and unavailable to to work on the shoot, which... Mm. Oh, well. well that uh, we... woman did a good job. I've got Kim to... Novak is, is yeah, great. She did a good mm-hmm. job. And finally, Kim Novak has told interviewers that while in her Judy costumes, she did not wear a bra, um, fitting into our bra conversations earlier. Um, and bralessness, which I didn't know was a word until I read <laughs> it here, bralessness was extremely unusual for women in film at that time. Mm. Novak has said that it was an element of the Judy costuming that helped her feel much more comfortable as Judy than as Madeline, whose costumes were severe and stiff. Mm. Yeah, I preferred Judy's costumes. Mm. I thought they were cute. Mm. I did notice that there was no bra. <laughs> you did not? I didn't notice. I didn't notice either. But Go back. Well and... spotted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think it's an interesting... It's an interesting choice costume wise. Yeah. And in terms yeah. of like obviously as 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 an actress, I'm I, I've never had to act in a bra uh, mm. at this stage of my really? career. Really, have you not? No. Um, my but... first week, that was my first gig. Really? It was just that. Just a bra. Yeah, it was in for a Kmart catalogue. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember that cover. Mm, yeah, 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 the Bretton yeah. Bra special. That was the one. Yeah. Um but I, I suppose it would it would make a big difference in your performance and particularly um if one character is is, if if, Mad, if Madeline is not only physically constrained, but mm. she's also living a lie, mm. and then as Judy, she can be freer. Um, mm. You know, she's she's able to be a bit more, I guess loose. a bit a, a bit more loose. I was going to go from something like a bit more, um, like she can be a bit more 
who she truly is as Judy yeah. Yeah. to, yeah. to Her waist Scotty. was still cinched within an inst- inch of her life. Mm. Yeah. But that's okay, because in this film, at least, Scotty was also wearing a, 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 corset. a corset. Well, at the he took that off. Like he, That was the whole point. Once his cane yeah. was gone, he was yeah. Yeah, corset free. Oh, I've only got one more day in the corset, Midge. <laughs> he did some great cane acting in that first scene. Yeah, bouncing acting, it and Leaning it against the wall yeah. and... Doing yeah. lots, of, lots of fun for someone that clearly didn't need it. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I can't, like, I like when I try to think of actors now, like any actor in Hollywood that is on par of just looking too old to try and be a romantic interest, I can't really... Anthony Hopkins. Oh, yeah, he's too old. Jack he's Nicholson. Old. Jack yeah. Nicholson. Okay, can I just say, young Jack Nicholson, everyone didn't see it. He was never attractive when he was young. No. He was never... Incredible actor. He, yeah. Like, he was just creepy looking even when he was younger. Yeah. And every time I see movies of him being, like, this sex symbol in Hollywood... I... What movies is that? No, the like... Shining? Um, like, <laughs> the Shining? No, but, like, Love whenever, a man with like, an axe. everyone would always yeah, talk about, like, Jack Nicholson himself being just, like, so many women. Like, well, if so you go back to, flirt. like, uh, Easy Rider... He's, you can see there's like a there's like an animal magnetism type thing, but after that he gets the he gets the widow's peak, got the shining level widow's mm. peak and the big grin. And, yeah. It's just and creepy. That's why he's amazing as the Joker in the mm. Tim yeah, Burton. Yeah, he was Batman. very good in that. Yeah. yeah. So shall we score the film? Sure. Yeah. Okay, we'll start with you, Kate, because this was your first time watching Vertigo. What score out of ten would you give Vertigo? Like a five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's a good cinematic, like on a like on a literal level. Like mm-hmm. What is it called? Practical on the practicality of shots of sound, like orchestra, mm-hmm. like the, it, technical like the technical aspects bring it up for me to a five. And the twist, actually, I'll give it a five point five because that okay. twist was really cool. I mm-hmm. liked when you were like, "Oh, it was an actress." Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, just the writing, I think, yeah, brings okay. it down five yeah. and a half. Uh, Brett, for you. Yeah, as a noir, it's an eight. Mm-hmm. But as a like a feminist discussion, yeah. like point two. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's and I I do agree. Like Jimmy Stewart was too old for that, and it mm. that gave it a level of creepiness that mm. works against it. Mm. Um, especially mm. at the top of the third act where he's trying to remake. Oh, just Madeline. dressing her and but, like yeah. holding but the, her. But the actual yeah. noir narrative—if you take out the casting and you just look at that story—the the narrative page, is really interesting. Beautiful. That's beautiful. why I tried to combine because, like, it is a really interesting. Yeah, story you kind of have line. to look through it that lens of they should have known better but didn't, which is not actually a very good excuse at all. Yeah, yeah. but. Yeah, it's a difficult one because it's actually quite disgusting. Yeah. Uh, but as a narrative, it's really cool. Like, it the based, twist is great. It was based off a book. So yeah. I think the book would be really interesting to read and see how much they, you know, um, had the two compared. Mm. Well, compare. the book was from a previous era, so I don't think it would be uh, much probably better. Wouldn't be any better. The whole femme fatale From the era thing. the historian was from, where he's like, men had more power. <laughs> yeah. And more freedom. I was yeah. like, yeah, you know what? Because in the 1950s, men just didn't have enough freedom. Yeah. yeah. Well, but yeah. like the femme fatale... Like trope is about women being dangerous and a trap. Yeah. Like ultimately, that's what that's about. That's not particularly healthy as a point no. of view. No. So. And for me, in terms of scoring it, it it is a tricky one in terms of like when when I try and score a film, I always try and score it based on it, its own uh, factors, basically just on it as a film. Mm. Like even even if it's it's a film whose message I don't particularly agree with, or it does things which I find. Um, 
objectionable in yeah. in some ways. I, yeah. I I do try and score it without bringing too much of my own predilections into it mm. in terms of um like because this is a very technically well made film and, yeah. it, and the narrative yeah. is really good and I think if a, if a, you know looking at just those aspects of it looking at it purely as a film without looking at um politics you know modern day politics into mm. it for me it's an eight out of ten it's it's yeah. eight ermine roberts uh the <laughs> guy who invented the vertigo thing out of ten yeah. um but but you're right it, it but watching it the whole time i was aware of it's like you just it's not the women are not this written well They're yeah not... like it was clearly not written by a woman yeah uh, or it had any impact that's the thing i think for me that's the only that's was hard for me watching the movie was yeah it from is. a technical point yep. i was like really interesting mm. i i find that you know that take really interesting mm. but the whole time just me as a 24 year old woman in 2019 18 mm. oh my god um i was like don't take us forward don't take us too forward yeah i know mm. um but just watching it, i just kept going like ugh. Are you 24? The whole movie. Yeah, I'm 24. So you're the same age as uh, Kim Novak was when they made this film. Yeah. Wow. You, I, I know a guy. Right. His name's uh, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. He, <laughs> he's got oh, a cane. Is, How do you feel about that? But he might be. See, okay. Quite the can catch. I just say? Could, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine me just going. Oh, no. Mm, get it. No, because he looks like a. <laughs> he, he looks like. He looks like a granddad. <laughs> he looks like a granddad. Chris yeah. Pine. Yeah. 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 Chris, um, yeah, Chris Pine. We agree. Because he was 37. Okay. See, 37. 37 is mm. okay. Is okay. 49. 49. So 49 great. could you um, so can we call this what the the willoughby line where it's like you, you must be like 17 years max older? i think max yeah i think i must have a line i think okay. I, but yeah so. so for you you can go up to 41 right now yeah that's it so anyone who's 42 plus not happy you're out yeah. sorry yeah i'd say you know, on the yeah. wrong side of yeah. the line you're falling on yeah. the wrong side sorry of the line. uh rowan atkinson so- who's the first actor i could think of <laughs> that's yeah, you, that's mean the, what... you mean the sex symbol, Rowan <laughs> yeah. Atkinson? Yeah. Because yeah. that's what stopped him. That's the pin-up what... star, <laughs> Mr. What... Bean. <laughs> that's what stopped yeah. it. Brett and Kate, thank you very much for joining me on thank this episode. Thank you for having thank me. You. It's always a pleasure. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening in. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. Like the page and you can get uh, lots of cool stuff. You get obviously links to the episodes. You can also vote on their audience polls as they're coming up, things of that nature. We can be downloaded from iTunes, SoundCloud and various other podcatching and podcasting services. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of us. And of course, there is also the Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast for even more extra bonus goodies and a chance to become a member of the club but that's all so until next time goodbye toodaloo oh see ya You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.